ಸ್ಥಾಪಕಾಧರ್ಮಸ್ವಿಣೆ ಅವತಾರವರಿಷ್ಠಾಯಕೃಷ್ಣಾ ನಮಃ ವಸುದೇವಸುತ ಕಂಸಚಾನೂರಮರ್ದನ ಪರಮಂದ ಕೃಷ್ಣಂ ವಂದೇ ಜಗದ್ಗುರು ಸೊ ಇನ್ ದ ಲಾಸ್ಟ್ ಕ್ಲಾಸ್ we found arjuna totally confused because of the emotional bankruptcy he was going through and that was that resulted from the realization of the fact that he will have to contend with his grandfather teacher elders his kith and kin the one with whom he is going to fight are his own near and dear ones and he was in a situation which has been termed as dharma sangamudha cheta in the last class we were studying the seventh shloka of the second chapter where we find that he is totally confused the do's and don'ts of life at that situation as such has no implication he is what to do what not to do that speaks of the dharma dharma speaks of uh, kartum akartum anyatha kartum that we are in the crossroads of life now whether to do a thing or not to do it or even if i have to do it shall i do it in a different way or not so all those crossroads i am in and that speaks of dharma sangmura cheta i'm totally confused and as a last resort and that last resort was the saving factor for arjuna he takes refuge to sri krishna and there the bhagavad gita starts with the teaching of krishna bhagavan krishna the bhagavad gita starts so the seventh shloka which we were studying in the last class just we get through it as a quick recapitulation ಕಾರ್ಪಣ್ಯ ದೋಷ ಉಪಹತ ಸ್ವಭಾವ ಪೃಚ್ಛಾಮಿ ತ್ವಂ ಧರ್ಮ ಸಂಗಮೂರ್ಹ ಚೇತ ಯತ್ಶ್ರೇಯ ಸ್ಯಾನ್ ನಿಶ್ಚಿತ ಬ್ರೂಹಿ ತನ್ಮೇ ಶಿಷ್ಯ ಸ್ನೇಹಂ ಶಾಧಿ ಮಾಂ ತ್ವಾಂ ಪ್ರಪನ್ನ ದಟ್ ಐ ಆಮ್ ಬಿಸೀಜ್ಡ್ ವಿತ್ ಫೆಂಟ್ ಹಾರ್ಟೆಡ್ನೆಸ್ ಕಾರ್ಪಣ್ಯ ದೋಷ ಆಸ್ ಇನ್ ದ ಲಾಸ್ಟ್ ಕ್ಲಾಸ್ ವಿ ವರ್ ಇಂಡಿಕೇಟಿಂಗ್ ದ ವರ್ಡ್ ಕಾರ್ಪಣ್ಯ ಕಮ್ಸ್ ಫ್ರಾಮ್ ಕೃಪನತಾ miserliness kripana means a miser kripanata miserliness the one who is suffering from miserliness is karpanya dosha that person is as if suffering from karpanya dosha miserliness but here the miserliness what it indicates yes literally it means if you have wealth but you don't want to spend it even for the right purpose just want to keep it keep it as a bank balance every day you see the bank balance you are happy you don't want to spend it 
Kripanatha, that we understand. But here, in what context the word has been used? It has been used on the context that Arjuna, in his time, we find he is a man of righteousness. He's extremely skilled warrior. He's one of the best archer of his days. And he has the right, he has uh, the skills, the capabilities, as well as the justified reason for contending in the warfare with the opponents. But suddenly we find all those qualities which were supposed to find expression at the time of need, they're not finding expression because of his emotional turmoil. As he was totally emotionally bankrupt, all the good qualities are not finding expression. It's just the way in our life, with all our qualifications, with all our hard skills, with our certificates, they speak of our hard skills. The marks shows that what's my worth. But when I go to my work field, if I lack the soft skills, how to deal with people, how to keep the emotional balance, all the qualifications which actually entitled me for that job, I will find in no time I have lost the job. Why? Because I will prove myself to be a liability, not an asset. So in nowadays, the words which are used is, you may be hired for your hard skills, but will be fired for your lack of soft skills. And that's the situation in which Arjuna is. He has become total Kripana. All the good qualities are not finding expression because of that emotional bankruptcy. And that he realizes. The biggest thing here is Arjuna is seeing himself objectively. We see the world objectively. But when it comes to myself, there is none better than me. I am holier than thou. And this is the attitude with which you will find in the present scenario in the world. We all feel that attitude, I am holier than thou, and all the scriptures are meant to judge others. Constantly criticizing others, quoting the scriptures. But here Bhagavad Gita starts with a wonderful way. Arjuna is taking himself objectively. He is quite aware of the negativities he is going through. He is not judging others. He is just accepting the fact that he is suffering from that Kripanata, Karpanya Dosha. And now what he says, Prichamitvam. He totally takes, he surrenders himself. Prichamitvam dharma sangmudha cheta. That I am totally confused. As in the last class we were indicating that what actually dharma means. If you go throughout the world, take any religion, take any faith, take any denomination, can we define some, can we have some universal definition of dharma? Yes, we can have. What is dharma? That whenever I find that my personal welfare is in no way, the desire for my personal welfare is in no way transgressing the collective welfare. 
to use the two words in Sanskrit, Vyashti Swarth, Samasti Swarth. Vyashti Swarth, my personal welfare. I of course should think of my welfare, but not at the cost of the collective welfare, the welfare of others. My personal welfare should be guided by the collective welfare. And that's the basic principle behind all the laws. In the last class, we were giving the example of the traffic. In the traffic, I want all the signals should be green. I am in a hurry. But again, I know the others also are in hurry. So that's why for the collective welfare, the signal system has been made in such a way, I am of course going to get green signal now and then, but of, and also the red signals will be there for me. It cannot be that I will have all the great signal, green signals. So my, if I just transgress the traffic rules, that speaks of adharma. If I'm following it, it speaks of dharma. I'm just giving the example of traffic rules. All the laws and regulations are based on that, that your personal welfare shouldn't transgress the shamashti swartha, the collective welfare. Now here, why he's saying that I am Dharma Sangmura, that we all from our childhood have learned the laws, the basic family laws, rules everywhere in the world. What's that? Love your Keith and kin, respect your elders, respect your teachers. That's what we all have learned. There is not a single person who is asked not to do that. Love your parents, love your siblings, love your kith and kin, your near and dear ones, respect the elders, respect your teachers. And now Arjuna is in a situation where he doesn't know what the law is because he is going to transgress the so-called laws. He's finding is in the contending army, his elders, his teacher, his beloved grandfather, his Keith and kin, his brothers, his cousin, so all his nephews, and against them he has to fight. From childhood, the dharma was that love the Keith and kin. So as in the last class we were indicating, but this is a situation like emergency situation, just the government makes the traffic laws for the smooth running of the transport. But the same government in emergency situation has kept the scope for breaking the laws, emergency laws, in the form of fire brigade ambulance. When you are are in emergency, yes, the fire brigade can break the laws. The ambulance can break the so-called traffic rules. So the God who has made the laws, he has the right to break the laws if he finds it is necessary. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say, Tini niyom, jini niyom ban, tini the one who has made the laws, he can break the laws. And we find here in this situation, as in the last class we were indicating, that it is God who will, in this emergency situation, is going to break the laws and he will make Arjuna the instrument of it. It's quite obvious he is in Dharma Sangmura. Why is he going to break the laws? The laws were made to follow the principles. What is the principle? That win-win. For my own welfare, I don't 
trespass over, trample over others' welfare. So the kith and kin should live together because the family is the best place for your security. Even in our present day, we find that family is the best place for security. But at the same time, when there is some abuse within the relationship, face family violence, the same family which is supposed to give you protection has become the cause of your danger. Then yes, government laws are there to take you out from that and give you protection. The same government who insists that there shouldn't be any family violence, but if it is there, what to do? Then you have to be, resort to some different law. So here also like that we find that all the laws has been the family which was supposed to be the protection, that same family has become the cause of disintegration, exploitation. All the values were eroded. The housewife who has to get the protection from the family is insulted by the family, is disrobed in the entire, this what you say, that in front of all, in the, the what you say, in the, Raj Sabha, in the king's palace, in the, in the huge gathering, and in false game, there is false game of dice. The entire kingdom has been snatched away. And now Duryodhana is speaking of law, that as a king, I have no right to just give away five villages, even five villages. If you have to have five villages, you have to fight for it. So just see, the one who has transgressed all the law and now at this moment when as a, as a compromise just five villages has been asked, he is speaking of law. Just the way in the modern day we use the law to bend the principles. Yet the same thing is happening. It's not a very, very clear-cut society where the laws has been made following the principles, all follow the law in its true spirit. That's not happening. We are using the laws to bend the principles. And then you need that emergency service. God himself has to come down in that emergency situation. That, that's why we will much come in that much later in the Bhagavad Gita. Yada yada hi dharmasya. The same dharma. Arjuna is in dharma sangmura cheta. Why he is in dharma sangmura cheta? Why he is confused? Because dharma has, there is a glani in the dharma. And God, as an emergency service, has to come down. Yada yada hi dharmasya glanir bhavati bharata abhyutthanam adharmasya tadatmanam srijamyaham paritranaya sadhunam vinashaya chadushpritam dharma sangsthapanarthaya sambhavami yuge yuge. This is an oft-quoted slokas of Bhagavad Gita. That to again, to reestablish dharma, he has to come down. And now here the mental confusion of Arjuna, we do understand that all the laws which he was supposed to follow, he doesn't know now, just to follow or not to follow. It has all been bent in such a way that it is no more following the principles. So actually now we will find that once he says that I take refuge in you, the God will reveal as a consolation, as, as a counseling, he will reveal that he is there to again re-establish religion. And Arjuna's role is nimitta, just an instrument. And a pen in the hand of the author, 
The author is going to write books. It's all he's writing. The pain is just hold in the hand of the author. Arjuna has to be the pain in the hand of Krishna, who is going to write the new script. And that's what we will find when once he takes refuge in Krishna, he surrenders himself to Krishna, Krishna, the whole Gita will be the teaching in which we will find first Krishna will try to change the paradigm of Arjuna, his way of thinking, the orientation by relating to some higher dimension of existence, the spiritual dimension of existence. And not only that, first his own spiritual entity as the Atman and that Atman is something which is always, as long as we are in the phenomenal existence, is guided by the Paramatman. His laws we cannot transgress. To follow that law is the only way for our fulfillment. And just to be the instrument in the hand of the divine, not to seek the results of action, just as, as an instrument, what the Lord desires, I do, and there it ends, offer the result. And that gives me the fulfillment. So that's the situation that crisis has brought Arjuna to change his total orientation. It's not just to fight and win the battle and rule. That's the benchmark for him at present. He has to change that. So that's the thing which will be indicated. So in the next sloka, what we find that Arjuna is as from the old benchmark, what he's saying, Nahi prapashyami mamapanudyad yat shoka mutshoshanam indriyanam avapya bhumava sapatnamriddham rajyam suranam api chadhipatyam nahi prapashyani mamapanudyad mama apanudyad what it is just meaning that I don't see actually that uh, I'd find no means of driving away my anguish. Yet, that what it is doing, it is drying up my senses. Yet shoshanam, shokam. Yet shokam utshoshanam indriyana. It is drying my senses. Avapya bhumava vasatna briddham rajyam suranam apichadi patyam. That even if I win a prosperous and unrivalry king- kingdom on the earth or gain the sovereignty uh, like the celestial beings, like become something like a celestial being, I will be unable to dispel this grief as in the last sloka, in the previous sloka it was mentioned that to gain the kingdom by killing one's kith and king is just like relishing a dish which is smeared with the blood of your relative. That's what Arjuna is saying. And he's in that dilemma. Now Krishna will what he will do? He will change the benchmark. That's the important thing that in our day-to-day life we will find that in the last class we were saying that as a, a teenager, a teenager, he's, when he's riding the car, when he's driving the car, his benchmark is different. He will go for a racing car. He wants speed. He wants excite, excitement. The same young boy, the same teenager, when he's a bit elderly person, he's grown up, he's married, he has children. Now he will sell that car. 
he will go for a car with all security options, strong security options. In no way it should, the child should be harmed. The benchmark has changed. He's, he's no more in need of that racing car. He needs a car with all security measures. So here also Krishna, by making him aware of his role as an instrument in some divine plan will change his benchmark. If you just think that just by killing your relative, you are going to enjoy the kingdom, the wealth, the power of ruling over the people. If that's your benchmark, of course you are going to be uh, suffering for that. You will have a terrible suffering for that. Your conscience will be constantly pricking you. But if you just change the benchmark, it's just not to rule the kingdom. It's just a part, it's just a side effect in establishing dharma by being the instrument of the divine. If that's your benchmark, of course, at the end of the war, when you win, you will be ruling the kingdom. But it is not just your personal gain just to rule the kingdom. It is actually the establishment of dharma. It's not for your personal enjoyment. It is for the welfare of all. It changes the benchmark. And then you will find that as we were saying, that pain is inevitable. In life, we cannot avoid pain. Situations will be there where there is no way I can go away from pain. But suffering is optional. Pain is inevitable. But suffering is optional. How I take that pain, that's very important. I accept it and then I try to outgrow it. I don't try to run away from it. As the, most of the time for us, our attitude is it is better to be safe. Uh, it is better to be safe than sorrow. Uh, you, see, you just always want to be uh, safe. So here also Arjuna, we find he wants to avoid the challenge. And Krishna will gradually bring him to that mental orientation where he will find that the war is justified, not only justified, it's a divine plan. And where he has a great role to play by being the instrument in the hand of the divine. So before that, that after saying this, we find now Sanjay is relating that what has happened to Arjuna. These two slokas are just uh, the, the what is it? The war has been related by Sanjaya to Dhritarashtra. So he's relating as he had that vision for that uh, to see the entire war. Sanjay is now just saying, Eva Muktva Rishikesham Gurha Kesha Parantapa Nayotsya Itigovindam Uktva Tushning Babhuva. So having this spoken, Gurakesha, the one who has controlled his slip, Arjuna, is, is called Gurakesha. That he's the chastiser of enemies. He has, Gurakesha indicates he has control over his self, self own senses. And Parantapa means he has control over others. He can chastise his enemies. He's a man of capabilities. He has full control over himself as well as his control over his enemies. Such a person is addressing Rishikesha. Just see that all his capabilities are not finding expression. The one who has full control over himself, the one who has control 
over the circumstances, seeing his Ketan King has drained out in such a way that he being Gurakesha, he being Parantapa is now totally uh, in a very pitiable situation and he's addressing Rishikesha, the one who is the, again, who is the ruler of the senses, the Rishikesha. So what he's saying, Govinda, I shall not find and became silent. Nayotsya iti govindam uktva tushning babuha just became silent. It was the silence of depression. It's not the silence of a yogi. It depressed. The sometimes the outward expression of a depressed person and a spiritual person are same. Both appear to be detached. But they are just the opposite poles. As Swami Vivekananda used to say, the opposite poles look alike. Ultraviolet light I cannot see, infrared light I cannot see. The infrared light is of very, very low frequency. The ultraviolet light I cannot see, but it burns my skin. It's the cause of skin cancer. Both are invisible, but they are poles apart. So here also, this silence appears to be sometimes when we are fleeing away from the challenges of life, we take the, we just wear the mask of saintliness. And here we find that Arjuna is as if masking himself with that saintliness. And that's the biggest problem of the world. Swami Vivekananda used to say a very nice thing. How much energy, how much energy we waste in making others feel that I am good. How much energy we waste. If that same energy we would have wasted, not wasted, we have used to really transform myself, I would have been a better person. But throughout the life, we just want to wear that mask, I am a good, and so much energy we waste. And here we find Arjuna, the first chapter, the way he's philosophizing, he wants to appear as a very saintly person. Tamu Vacha, the 10th sloka, Tamu Vacha Rishikesha, Prahasan Niva Bharata. Now God comes to rescue. Senayor Ubhayor Madhye Vishidantam Idam Vacha. So, O Dhritarashtra, thereafter in the midst of both the armies, Sri Krishna is above the circumstances. Smilingly, he is speaking. He has understood the entire scenario and the entire condition. But he is in no way affected by the circumstances. He is God. The one who can see the projection is in no way affected by the projection. Just we know that the mirage is projected by the desert, isn't it? Just wherever the desert is, there the mirage is. I see a huge reservoir. I may be befooled by the reservoir, but does that reservoir has the capacity even to drench a single particle of sand? No, it doesn't have. So it's Krishna, he is the Lord. He is the projection. How can the dualities of this world affect him. He's above that. That's why I smile, Prahasan Niva. Just the way when I see my child totally agitated, the father with just a smile can calm him down, can give him a good counsel. So here also we find Sri Krishna, 
smilingly is speaking the following words. And here the Bhagavad Gita starts. He speaks the following word to the grief-stricken Arjuna. Vishidantam idam vacha. Between the two contending armies, Vishidantam idam vacha. So this they are the words which the Lord is going is speaking. So now the actual Bhagavad Gita starts with the words of Krishna. So 11th sloka, we go where Krishna's, these words we are finding. What he's saying? Sri Bhagavan Uvacha. Ashochyan Anvashochastvam Pragya Vadangscha Bhashase Gatasun Agatasungscha Nanu Shochanti Panditaha. Ashochyan Anvashochastvam. So what he's saying that while you speak the words of wisdom, you're mourning for that which is not worth of grit, grief. The thing, you know, what we are not supposed to think, the, the line, the way in which you're not supposed to think, you're thinking that way. And you're speaking as if you're a wise person. Why Krishna starts with that reprimandation? You know, there are three types of goodness. If you try to, in this Bhagavad Gita, when we study at the beginning, many will be confused. Many will be supporting Arjuna's agony. Well, he's cried. He wants to be nonviolent. He wants peace. And it becomes very difficult to understand the standpoint of Krishna who is impelling him to fight and the entire this misunderstanding happens which we because we don't take the entire background of the Bhagavad Gita that is a Mahabharata you have to take the sin there what's the cause of the battle there's extreme unrighteousness prevailing in the society it has to the society has to have has to go through a overhauling procedure for the righteousness to be established again. And here, that's why Bhagavan is what he's saying, Ashochyan Anashochastan. To understand this, let us try to understand by goodness what we mean. There are three types of goodness. We can just designate them as passive goodness, active goodness, and proactive goodness. What it means? Passive goodness. Let us take an example that I am not a miscreant. I don't go on lighting fire on others' house. But at the same time, if I see my neighbor's house is on fire, I never go out to rescue my neighbor and to extinguish that fire. So I don't harm. But at the same time, I don't try to just mend to eradicate the evil which I find in the society. Even if my neighbor is suffering, I just turn my, uh, what you said, my uh, vision, my um, awareness about it and try to be totally passive about it. So that is passive goodness. Sri Ramakrishna, as we were indicating, uh, that used to use the word kumrakata vattaku, that he has no, he can do nothing as if he just, 
some for his purpose in the household is just nothing. He lives a lazy life. He's a passive goodness. But at the same time, he doesn't harm anyone. Active goodness. I do. Active goodness speaks of that rajas. When I see someone suffering, I immediately move out, reach out to help them. Then what is proactive goodness? Proactive goodness is actually something that why to wait for suffering? If I know that, that something can entail in suffering, why not plan beforehand? That if I know that's, that the, some area is prone to flood, every year it is a low belt, every year it is prone to flood. So after the flood, if I go for relief, that is active goodness. But if I do some distress management, that's a very low lying area built. Why not construct the houses on pillars? The ground floor will be empty. Upstairs only the people will stay. So even if the flood is there, they would be affected. In the village, why not have the wells? You know, the wells you will find in India, some of the villages as a precautionary measure for uh, the flood which may come. The, uh, bore wells, the wells are on a high pedestal. Sometimes I we, we used to visit the village, we never used to understand that what that during the flood, there's every, water everywhere, but you don't get fresh water. To get the fresh water, that high pedestal has been made over that the bore well is there, so that even if the land is totally flooded, you get fresh water. So all these measures you have taken well beforehand, knowing that this area is flood prone. Flood may come, and before the flood comes, let us take these measures. So that speaks of proactive goodness. The fire brigade, the fire brigade is proactive goodness. But the firefighters are the, 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 the indicate the active goodness. With all the plans of that fire brigade system, if you don't have those active workers, the proactive goodness is of no use. The proactive goodness can be effective if there are some person in the society who are actively good. So that's why here we find that in this situation, Krishna, the God is the representation of proactive goodness. He has measures to eradicate the evils of the society, but that cannot be effectualized unless we become an instrument to it. So that's why proactive goodness and active goodness always works in synergy. But the so-called passive goodness is actually evil incarnate. It is better to be safe than sorry and I just avoid the challenges and I encapsulate myself in my comfort zone and, try, and we are the tall talkers. We are the dharma dhvajis. In such passive goodness speaks of dharma dhvajitvam. Dharma dhvaji means that just to let, let other people know that I am religious. I have a flag of dharma always flying above. Seeing that people will know I am a very, very religious person. They are the tall talkers. In our brain, there's this right brain is autobiographical. The left brain is the language brain. And when there's a split, when there's no connection between the two, the left brain has a tremendous capacity to create language, propaganda. 
with which it will not only fool the world, it will fool yourself also. You will be also convinced what I am saying is the only thing which is right. In this world, you will find always it happens that we say the other person is bad, I am good. And no one says I am bad. It's actually never the fight between good and bad. Throughout the history, the fight is actually between the perspectives. No one thinks he's bad. Why it happens? Because our perspectives are formed because of our biases. And that bias creates that split. Once the split is created, the left brain, the propaganda machine goes on propagating that you are the benefit, you are the most benefactory factor in the society. With all the activities you are doing, you constantly go on justifying it. All others are to be blamed. I am the one who is holier than thou. And that's what has happened to Arjuna. He's resorting to the passive goodness. He was supposed to be the active factor of active goodness under the guidance of the proactive goodness of the God himself. And that's why we find he is philosophizing a lot. His left brain has taken over. There's a split as if in his personality. And in the camouflage of this passive goodness, Arjuna is trying to hide himself. And that's why Krishna comes with these strong words. Ashochyan annoshochastvam. Pragya vadangsya bhasase. You're tall, you're talking tall. Like a, as a very, very, uh, what you say, an intelligent person, wise man. But you're doing just the opposite of what is supposed to be done in this situation. Ashochyan, you are, your thought procedure is just contrary to what it's supposed to be. Ashochyan annyashochastang pragyavadangsya bhashase. This is the first line, which is reprimandation. The second line is very important. Gatasun agatasungscha nanu shochanti panditaha. So here, Krishna, we will find the Gita has layers of understanding. The first understanding, as we indicated when we had that introduction class, the introduction of the Bhagavad Gita, the first is that Bhagavad Gita doesn't speak of the Advaita philosophy, nor of Vishishta Advaita philosophy. It has its own philosophy, where it do accept the fact that we are the conscious principle. We all are that ultimate, that non-dual conscious principle. But as long as we are in this phenomenal existence, that conscious principle is constantly under the guidance of the a higher conscious principle that is God. We cannot transcend that. It's the question of transcendence comes that also by God's wish. Even if with all our sadhana, we can be aware of our, this uh, conscious entity, but we can never as such merge with the absolute. There the God's will is there. If he is willing that he is going to make me the instrument for his work, the question of merging, merging in the absolute will never come. However, we may try. The Bhagavad Gita, the entire, you will find when we study, that's the idea which has been indicated 
very, very clearly. As Sri Ramakrishna also used to say very nicely that, that if you are very, your favorite for, to your master for whom you work, there are two examples which we gave that there are two servants. One servant, what he does, whenever the master comes, he just goes on praising him. He will just go on praising him. The other worker, the other servant silently works. He will be looking after the garden and just harvesting the good vegetables and fruits. To whom will the master will like? Of course, the one who works for him. But now, just see, that, that way they are speaking of not mere devotion. To be an instrument in the God's plan is the thing which pleases the Lord. Of course, the devotion is there. The one who is working for the master, he is devoted. His devotion is in no way less, actually it is greater. The devotion entails him to be an instrument in the Lord's plan. That's one thing. And another thing, that seeing the master very pleased by all the harvest which the servant has brought. He may be, the master may be extremely pleased, but the servant cannot, that seeing the master pleased, immediately run and go and sit by the side of the master and say, hello, sir. But if the master says, oh, you are such a nice person. See, you are just like me. Please come and sit by my side. Yes, of course. Then to please the master, he can, just very simple examples. As long as we are in the domain of Maya, however you may try, you may be aware of your conscious principle, but don't think that you have the freedom to choose whether you have to will be merging with the absolute or you have to work as per the divine plan. This is a wonderful idea of the Gita, Gita which in no way tallies with the Advaita or Vishishta Advaita, but it is synthesized in a wonderful way. And here, Bhagavad Gita starts with relating to that first dimension, that you are the conscious principle. First, you have to be aware of that. The first six chapters will make aware of that. That Tattvam Asi, that, the, that you are that, this famous dictum of the, our Vedanta, which is one of the Mahavakyas, that identity of the, with the Absolute. But but that Tvam, that you are that. So Madhusudan Saraswati, one of the very, very uh, prominent commentators on Bhagavad Gita, his commentary is very authentic, considered very authentic. He says the first six chapters deals with the Tvam, who you are actually. The next six chapters deals with Tat, that, that who, that God, in essence, who is God. And the last six chapters, Asi, what's the relation between these two? As Sri Ramakrishna used to say, pointing to the young disciples, those who were the would-be monks of the Ramakrishna order, he would say that these boys won't have to do much. They should know who they are, and they should know who me, who I am, and they should know what's the relation between the, me and them. That much is sufficient. So Bhagavad Gita entered Bhagavad Gita is that. This Tvam, the first six chapters, next six chapters speaks of Tat, and the last six chapters is the relation between the divine. So now this instruction on Tvam starts, that who you are in essence. You are in essence 
not this physical entity. You are something beyond, there is a spiritual dimension beyond it. Unless you relate to that, you can never get rid of inescapable trauma in this life. In this life, we all find, we start as a young person, as a very, very optimistic person. And you will find that as we grow old, we become more and more depressed, dejected, as if life has taken away everything from me. You will be very surprised to know in Australia, generally we have the idea that it is the young who commit suicide, who are in the moment when they don't know that what's going to happen in their future. They're so uncertain in their life. The outside competition is so much impelling on them. Sometimes they cannot bear that pressure. They commit suicide. That's the general notion. But you will be surprised to know, very surprised to know, but it's a fact in Australia, I don't know in other countries in Australia, the maximum, the highest rate of suicide is 80, the age is 85 plus. That those who cross that age, the meaninglessness comes to their life. Yes, I, at certain point of time, I was ambitious. I acquired wealth. I have property. I have all the so-called well-beings of the, whatever the so-called benchmarks, which speaks of this prosperity I have. But I find no meaning. What's the use of this life? Maybe I will be living for a few more years, but what to do with that life? And that's meaninglessness results in suicide. Why? They have all reached a state where they're as if in a inescapable trauma. And that leads to helplessness. And from that comes the defeatist attitude. These are the words which are used in the modern psychology. That to understand this last line, Gatasun Agatasunscha, Nanu Shochanti Pandita. Let us understand in the language of modern psychology that why we become so depressed. Because in life, we all today or tomorrow have to go through this inescapable trauma. At the beginning, life seems to be okay, everything is going on fine. And we come to a situation where we find no solution. We have been cornered. All my skills, all my capabilities, which gave me confidence proves nothing. And from that inescapable trauma, the trauma with which you cannot escape, from that comes learned helplessness. You learn that you are helpless. The situation have made you learn that you are helpless. And that leads to defeatistic attitude and pessimism. That experiment which we spoke of so many times, that in a cage, this experiment, these type of experiments are not allowed today, but it was done some two week, uh, decades ago, that in a cage, some rats were, some mice were kept in one corner. And in the middle of the cage, there are some frictionless wheels. And on the other end of the cage, there are some food kept for the, all these rats. Now, when the rat is hungry, it has to cross over those wheels to get to that food. Now the wheels are so frictionless, they try their best, they cannot cross. It, it becomes like a, uh, your, what you say, the treadmill. 
it becomes like a treadmill. You're just as if running in the same place. And now what they do, if there are 10 such rats who tries to cross over, they cannot, not a single of them could cross. Now they increase the friction of the wheel a little so that if all these rats try a bit hard, they can cross. But surprisingly, it was found that only two could cross. Eight never tried. So this speaks of that inescapable trauma leading to learned helplessness. In India, you will find that elephants are sometimes domesticated for, temp for keeping in temple and other purpose. You know how they are domesticated? When they are small babies, they are tied with a strong iron chain to a stump. To an iron stump, they will be tied. With all their might, with all their strength, they try to get rid of the bondage and they cannot. It's such a strong chain. Now, when they're fully grown, you will be amazed. Such a huge elephant, just with a jerk, can break off from what? Now he is not tied with a strong chain. There's a very thin rope tied to just the stump. And but the elephant never tries to break free. It has learned, it has learned that it is helpless. From the childhood, the childhood, the strong iron chain was there. But now it is just a small rope. It is just a, a very thin rope. Easily, just with one kick, one jerk, it can come, but it never tries. It is just standing there as it is, knowing, has learned that helplessness, knowing very well, I cannot escape. From that comes depression, comes that of that pessimistic attitude. So what's the difference? But there's two rats. There were two rats which somehow crossed. In the modern day positive psychology, they say we are not bothered about those eight rats, which never tried, which they had that learned, which has been conditioned by the learned helplessness. They don't try, but we are interested with these two rats which try. What's the difference? What makes if this too optimistic, the other pessimists. And they find that it's a very common thing, observation, that these two rats, which are optimists, they what? They never take any problem to be permanent. It's temporary. The next time the situations may be better, I can outgrow it. But the pessimists take all the problems to be permanent. Nothing can be done. There are many distinctions. I will take just two. We will take the two uh, difference between the optimist and the pessimist. The optimists think that any problem is just local. It cannot pervade my entire life. The example, we can just say that a student, a young student most probably weak is good in all the subjects, but weak in mathematics. And he, is so worried about his poor marks in mathematics, it starts affecting his other subjects also. He could have accepted that I am weak in this. Why not I focus on the positivities which I have and try to excel in those. Everything, none can be good in everything. If out of 100 faculties, for me 90 faculties are strong, 10 are weak, why not build upon that strength? Why just simply go on brooding over the weakness. But the pessimist does the same, that's the thing they do. They just the defeat which has happened in their life over this, they start brooding, finding no other way, and that pervades their entire life. 
Now the question is, how can a pessimist become an optimist? We understand this is there's a difference between an optimist and a pessimist. Is there a way that the pessimist can become an optimist? So that's the thing which Krishna is doing here. Arjuna, to a certain extent, temporarily has become pessimist with a defeatist attitude. That inescapable trauma has come to his life. Seeing his relatives, he has no solution what to do. It's an inescapable trauma. From that, how to come out so he has that's led to his pessimistic attitude. How to come out of that? The second line speaks of the orientation which is required to come out from that pessimist to that optimistic attitude. Before going to that line, we will give an example. That again and again in various occasions we have given that example. That if we try to find answers in the existing dimensions of our existence existing plane of our, the dimensions of our existence, the sunset world. That's what is our entire existence. We find to have tried to find answer there. There are many questions of life you will never find answer there. Just an example which we give again and again. If we try to draw exactly four triangles by joining four points, you can try throughout your life you can never do it. Join four points to draw exactly four triangles. You will find somewhere or other the lines will intersect to create the fifth line. And there will be, of course, more than four triangles. Exactly four triangles cannot be. Then what's the answer? Is there any solution? Yes, there's a solution. Just draw, spot three points in the paper, mark three points in the paper, and imagine the fourth point in the space. Now you join, you get a triangular pyramid with exactly four triangular faces. So why I couldn't get the answer? Because I was trying to find the answer in the two dimensions of the pages without taking into consideration the third dimension, the height, the space. Once you take it, the answer is there. So here also Krishna is doing that. Arjuna is find, trying to find solution only in the sunset plan. His relatives, what uh, his kith and kin, his kingdom, that's the only thing over which he's finding, trying to find answer. He cannot find. But you have to relate to that another dimension of existence. Then only you can find the answer. What's that? the spiritual dimension, that you are not this body, not this mind. You're beyond that. You're the Atman. You're the self. Nothing can annihilate. That's the Trikalavadita Satya. That was, that is, that will be. It is there forever. So once you relate to that dimension, and that's what the word Pandita means, the Panda Vishaya Jnana. Panda means Atma. The one who has the knowledge about that another dimension, he's Pandita. He never is, what is the overwhelmed? Nanu Shochanti Pandita. That's what Krishna is saying. Why? Because this coming and going is of this physical body. You are the soul. Similarly, all the relatives which you are seeing, they are the soul. The Atman, for them, there is no as such destruction. 
It's the destruction is only of this physical body. Once you relate to that plan, immediately the idea that I am annihilating my relatives to enjoy the kingdom, that's gone. All are there. No one is lost. Just like the, the all the, what do you say, the uh, boards, the chess boards, all the, you, uh, you use again and again the same ball, the same uh, 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 for the game to go on. So here the same dice is used again and again for the game. So we are like the dice which have been used again and again for this game to go on. So here we find that Krishna is first making him aware of that, that you are the Atman, this body-mind complex. This is something which is not real, which was, uh, which uh, emanated at the time of your birth, which is going to be dissolved at the time of your death, and even when you're living, it is going through constant changes. That's not the real. The real is the soul. Once you can relate to that, you know that you are eternal. God is eternal. Your relationship between you and the God is eternal. You're just going through a passing phase. Then you will suddenly find the inner inescapable trauma is no more there. Because you know nothing is permanent. That your problem is just at this moment of time. A certain circumstance has created a certain uh, complexities, which is temporary. Gatasun agatasungstya. It you 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 will pass over it. It's not something which is going to affect your eternity. It cannot pervade your entire existence. It's just affecting a part of your existence. It is something temporary. It is something local. So don't get overwhelmed by it. So that's the idea which we find Krishna is bringing home to Arjuna first. That always get identified with your Atman and then be the witness of what's going on through your body-mind complex. As Sri Krishna will be saying, guna guneshu vartante. It is the interplay of the three gunas which is going on through our body-mind complex. Never get identified with that. Let it go on. As per the circumstances, let it flow. But we, the witness behind it, don't get identified with it. Don't get identified with the flow. Be apart from the flow. Observe the flow. And don't avoid anything. Let the flow go on as per the plan of the divine. But don't get identified thinking, I am doing it. You are not the karta. You are neither the bhokta. You are neither the doer nor the enjoyer. You are just the instrument in the hands of the divine for the divine play to enact. So from that perspective, if you see, relate to that dimension, then who, who can relate to that dimension? Only a panda, the, pand, the pandita. Pandita means the one who has the knowledge of panda. Panda means atma. Atma vishaya buddhi, as Shankaracharya speak. The panda means atma vishaya buddhi. The one who has it is pandita. So once you are a pandita, 
you are not supposed to be overwhelmed with the temporary changes of life inevitable changes of life not only changes the changes which i am not bringing forth of which i am just the instrument the lord is working through me so i neither seek nor avoid it's not for seeking kingdom that you are here for this war not to avoid the bloodshed you run away from the war know that you are the instrument and take part in it with a total attitude of a witness and that's the very first thing which the lord is indicating arjuna to bring him out of this uh, despondency this deep despondency in which he is in and then god krishna lord krishna will go on for a few more shlokas relating to that level of existence to which arjuna must be identified that spiritual dimension of existence before going into the this uh, what you say into this terrible war then only he can remain unaffected as in our work field the first thing which we require is not the skills in the present day they say that with all our education it's just at, at in our work field only 20% of it may be required I mean, even not even 20% 80% is the thing which speaks of the core of your personality the soft skills which you have developed that our education system never takes care of but that's the thing which is which results in 80% of your well being only 20% the skills uh, which you have studied with all your education with all your resource which you have spent only 20% the 80% is from that soft skills which is going to come and here now we will find the one who is totally equipped with that all the hard skills arjuna he has to be educated in the soft skills the entire gita is actually a training on the soft skills how to develop that equipoise so that all the hard skills which i have learned can be used under the soft skill is there you can never become the channel you will just become a kripana they will remain hidden they will never find any expression it can only find expression if you have developed the soft skills and for that relating to the spiritual dimension is a must is a necessary thing in the name of secularism the more we forget about our divine connection the more we are going to be a depressed dejected uh, mass of flesh and bone a few days back a nice state talk i was saying they say say what is truth if the truth is that which sustains us now with all our science believe in science with all our believe in secular way of life we forget one thing the all the things which we think superstition all the things which we think as uh, uh ill practices ill beliefs all those things sustained us for more than 60000 years maybe more go to the aboriginal culture all the belief system they had that sustained them for 60000 years or even more and we with our justified scientific approach 
in 200 years is in the brim of extinction. So what is truth? So just let us try to understand what is truth. Is this with all the, our so this brooding over this, with our bragging with our this scientific knowledge, it is going to demolish us in just 200 years, 300 years. The civilization which was gradually building up for 60, 70, 80, million, maybe 100,000 years, who knows? So that's the thing, that's the soft skill. I think that even these primitive cultures had much better soft skill than we have. And that's the thing, God has to come down again and again to save mankind, to preach him with the soft skills, which has to be attuned with our spiritual dimension of existence. And that with, with that, Krishna starts his teaching. So we will continue uh, with the teachings of Krishna in the succeeding slokas again in the next class. With this, we stop our discussion today. Thank you all. Namaskar.